You're listening to the Pines Church Podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. Just a couple of reminders. We are in the middle of a fast. We're actually past the middle. I'm keeping track, believe me. And so um, it's funny. I usually stop at this gas station. I've been telling you, like, I'm not a big fried chicken guy, but I like it's intoxicating, the smell of this fried chicken. And so I've just been avoiding it altogether. And I saw the, the woman that usually works at the, as the attendant. She goes, you haven't stopped at the gas station in a while. I'm like, and nor do I plan to until after the 29th. <laughs> But I do want to say this, if you maybe have fallen off the wagon, so to speak, or you're like, "Ah, I'm just going to squash that, just pick it back up again. Again, it's not, about the, the, it's not about the quantity, but rather the quality. And if you're fasting, you know, social media, if you're fasting uh, food, a meal, whatever it is, it's a step towards God. And the Bible says that as we step towards God, God steps towards us. It's a way to start our year off by consecrating ourselves. It's not twisting God's arm. It's not putting ourselves on a little hunger strike in like a 16-year-old spoiled kid that's been sent to their room, but it's rather aligning ourselves with God, with his heart, quieting the world so that we can hear the still small voice of the Lord. And we have one more week all the way up till Sunday, the 29th. And I think we'll probably do something. We'll probably have some kind of food here uh, for everybody to celebrate. Fried chicken, dude. You guys want fried chicken? I can buy fried chicken, man. Um, but if you've been on a liquid fast, be careful to just jump into the fried chicken. Um, so I encourage you to continue to do that because there are so many things that God wants to show you. Like you can't exhaust the promises of God. There's so much that he wants to reveal to you. There's so much he wants to instill in you. There's so much he wants to show you. And I think at the end of our life, he's just going to see there's so much more. So let's not leave anything on the table. Let's pursue God with all of our all of our heart. Also encourage you growth track. It's a great way to kick the tires, so to speak, on the church. Find out a little bit something more. And so to start today, I'm going to jump into a quote by Charles Spurgeon. This is a great father in the faith. And he said this, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. All human books grow stale after time, but the word of God the desire to study, it increases. You know, I think about just the journey of my life. And the more time I've spent in God's word, the more time I hunger for it and desire it. It's like anything. If you feed on junk food, you will crave junk food. But if you make strides to feed on the word of God, then you're going to desire it. You're going to have an appetite um, for it. And, 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 you know, I've been walking with the Lord for many, many years now, and I'm, ex- I'm more excited today than I was as a Bible school student in my 20s to open this Bible and to hear the Holy Spirit speak to me, to show me something that I hadn't previously seen. And I marvel at the fact that I could read a scripture countless times and then read it under the anointing and all of a sudden something is revealed that I hadn't previously seen and that it pertains to what I'm navigating in life. And the most beautiful thing in the world is that the Holy Spirit can have 7.5 billion conversations all at the same time. So if every single human were to open their Bibles, the Holy Spirit would be there present to reveal to each and every single one of us what we needed to receive for that day. 
But Spurgeon goes on. He says, the Bible, it grows upon you. I love that. As you dive into its depths, you have a fuller perception of the infinity which remains to be explored. I love that word explored. You will desire to enjoy more of that which is bliss to your taste. I love that uh, Jake was up here talking about taste. I remember when I first gave my life to Christ. Many of you know a little bit of my testimony. I was born and raised in the church. My father was a pastor. But when I turned 17, I joined the military. I put Maine and Christianity in the rearview mirror, and I made a mess of my life. And then I came to uh, Jesus in my early 20s. I surrendered to his lordship, and everything began to come into focus. And when I first gave my life to Christ, I was on fire. All right, I watched every Kirk Cameron movie. I ate a Chick-fil-A every single meal. I had John, I had John 316 under my eyes long before Tim Tebow ever did it. And I remember I would go to this church, and they had a Saturday night service, two Sunday morning services, and a Sunday night. And I kid you not, I went to all of them. I went to every single one. And I laughed at every single joke that the pastor told, even though that he told it four times. I laughed at him. And I was just, I couldn't get enough. I mean, I wanted to read every book that was on the Bible. I wanted to read the Bible. I wanted to listen to everything. It was like all of a sudden, everything was coming into focus for me. And I just had this huge hunger. I pulled away from drugs. I pulled away from sex. I pulled away from alcohol. All that stuff, wickedness in the world. And my appetite was cleansed. And I, I just, I couldn't eat enough. And then one day I was in prayer. I was actually in one of these prayer rooms, and they were just playing like 24-7 uh, prayer. And they had this thing that's called like soaking, where people just kind of like lay on the floor. A lot of times people just fall asleep. But um, they're playing this worship, and I'm like kind of praying, kind of falling asleep, in and out of consciousness. And I, the Lord gives me this vision. And in this vision, um, I see myself sitting across from somebody at a table. And this person has a plate of food in front of them. And every time they take a bite of their food, they're, they're describing it to me. It's like torture, especially like right now, right? It's like absolute torture. It's like the food network. And you're just like coveting and craving, all right? And every time they take a bite, they're explaining the savor, or the sweetness. And, and I'm just kind of like leaning in like, yeah, take another bite so you can describe to me what this tastes like. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, son, you, you've sat under the word of God, great ministers, great men and women of the faith, but I've called you to taste and see. And I think there's a time in our Christian walk as we mature as believers that yes, we should listen you know, to, to godly teaching and we should sit under the word. We should certainly not forsake the assembling of the saints, but that we have to read the Bible for ourselves. I can only little baby Ethan, I can only give him the airplane with the food so long and pretty soon there's got to be this expectation to be like, yo man, you cut that up on your own. If he was seven years old, and he still expected me to do the choo-choo train, there would be something off, right? There'd be something a little bit weird, which actually, truth be told, Evander could probably use the choo-choo train but, um, <laughs> with some of his vegetables. But you understand where I'm coming. There's a part where you got to be feeding yourself. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about today. Barna uh, did a survey in the U.S. They polled 2,000 people, and this is in the United States, in regards to Bible, the, the Bible and Bible study. They found in this study that 52% of people don't read the Bible at all. That's one out of two people. They'll never crack open a Bible. 
8% read the Bible three to five times a year. 6% once a month. 8% once a week. 12%, you know, several, a few times a week. What a vague description, several. And 14% of people polled read it daily. That's three out of every four people in America look at the Bible once a week. And so if that's true, right, then we're seriously open to deception. And I think you can see that in our institutions, in our government, and even inside of our church. And so we have to absolutely make sure that we are rooted and grounded in the word of God. Because at the judgment seat of Christ, the white throne judgment, we're not given account of our sins because they've been taken care of by the blood of Jesus, right? Hallelujah for that. But we will give an account of the way we lived our life as believers. And at the white throne judgment, your pastor, your spouse, your youth pastor isn't going to be standing next to you. It's going to be you and you alone, and you will give an account of your life. And so we want to make sure that we know the word of God so that we can see the ploys of the enemy. Remember, Paul said we are not ignorant of the schemes of the enemy. So our flagship scripture, the one that we're going to kind of be camping out in, is Acts 20, verse 32. And it says this, So now, brethren, I commend you to God, and, everybody say and, and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I want to hone in that word. I, he didn't say, I commend you to God. And he didn't say, I commend you to the word of his grace. He said, I commend you to God and the word of his grace. It's not either or. It's both. In my years of walking with the Lord, I have seen people that are just all about God and don't crack open their Bible. And can I tell you, with my experience, typically those people become a little strange. They usually chase experiences and they end up very quickly veering off track because they don't have that foundation of God's word. So they're basing their relationship off of experience. No, he didn't just say, commend you to God. He said, commend you to the word of his grace. And I will say on the other side of that coin, um, I've also seen people be just focused in on reading and studying the word and not spending time with God in prayer, in worship, and in service. And those people typically become legalistic, critical, condemning, think Pharisees. So they don't have this relationship with God. They're just basing everything off the word. And why is that? Well, I, I want to back up and actually talk about... Um, we have to be careful when we don't have the word of God because we know that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. It doesn't say he can disguise himself as an angel of light. It says he does. And so if we're not rooted in God's word, if we don't know what God's word says, then we can easily be misled if we rely on our natural eyes and our natural ears. And so we have to be in the word, but it's not an either, either or. And so we have to be careful because the enemy's a deceiver. He's trying to replicate God's voice 
And Paul warns us not to follow a knockoff Jesus, not to follow this caricature of Jesus, that it kind of looks like Jesus, but it actually isn't Jesus. It kind of sounds like the word, but it isn't the word. The enemy's not stupid. Satan isn't going to manifest himself with two horns and a pitchfork and a pointy tail. He's going to disguise himself as an angel of light. And Paul warns us that that's how he's going to try to deceive us. And so if we don't have that that warning in God's word, then we might actually believe that this angel is representative of God. But if we have his word, we know that his words quickly don't line up with scripture. And so Revelation twenty two eighteen warns us of the dangers of adding to his word. It says, solemnly I declare to you, everyone who hears the word of prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. Dang, that's not a place that you want to be. And if anyone removes any of these words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that are described in this book. So God's word is so important to him. And these are the parameters that he puts. Do not add to this book and do not subtract to this book. And as a minister of God, I have a responsibility to preach the full counsel of God, even the words that you don't necessarily want to hear, but need to hear. Most of us don't want the warnings, but the warnings are what keep us on the path that is narrow, that leads to heaven. Wide is the road that leads to destruction. And many find it. And so we need God's truth. We need his warnings. I thank God for the warning signs that are on the road and on the highway because without them, we would all be in car accidents. People would veer over the lines and we'd be taking our life in our hands every single day, which on I-95, we kind of do. So Jump back to that word, Acts 20, 32. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able. Everybody say able. able. To build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I want to focus in on that word. It is able. Synonyms of that. It's capable. It's positioned to. It's qualified to. It's allowed to. It's prepared to. This word is prepared to build you up. This word is prepared to give you inheritance. But like that Bowflex sitting in your garage that you ordered off QVC, right? That's collecting dust. It's not doing you any good. It's capable. It's prepared to get you in the shape, uh, best shape of your life. But if you're not active with it, it's not going to do anything. Does that make sense? Many of our Bibles are collecting dust. And they need to be opened. Just the same way that that Bowflex does have the capability to turn you into the rock. Well, that might take a little bit of enhanced capability. Let's just be being 100 right now. Okay? But it has the capability of getting you into the best shape of your life. The Bible has the power to transform your life to, to, to build you up and to give you an inheritance, but you have to be engaged with it. You have to receive it by faith. See, I want, I want to repeat after you say, build me up, receive an inheritance. The word of God will build you up, 
and to the man or woman God has destined you to become, not what the world has spoken over you, not what your teachers have spoken over you, not what your bosses have spoken over you, not what your parents have spoken over you, but the, the words that God penned in, it, in Scripture before you ever drew a breath in Psalm 139.16. You will step into and manifest your destiny. These are just two of an infinite amount of reasons why we should be engaged with the word of God on a daily basis. Look, Paul doubles down on this idea in 2 Corinthians. He says, you happily, you gladly, you joyfully put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one that we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. How many of you know, not everybody is preaching the same gospel. Not everyone is preaching the same Jesus. And to further illustrate this point, I want to show you a short little video. So if you direct your attention to the screen, I think this is going to help nail this idea home. I am yoked, which is easy to see, and these burdens are light. So I am basically Jesus. I'm not the Jesus from 2,000 years ago, because that would be weird. You know, I can make you a fisher of men. Watch this while I walk on the water. But I must be doing something right, because... I have all kinds of people starting to follow me now. And that's how I met Ted. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of people following this guy, so I was like, yeah, it sounds like he can do a lot of things for my life, so why not follow him? I hate to admit this, but I kind of, I kind of drank quite a bit last night with some friends, so. Bro, Yeah. my first miracle, I turned water into wine. And guess who asked me to do it? Yeah. My mom's. I asked him, you know, what is like the meaning of life? Make it rain like Noah. Ugh. And he said, all is life. So I thought that was kind of weird. What about repentance though? Shouldn't I repent of doing that? Not important. It's not important? Yeah, that's, that's, that's pre-cross. Let's go ahead and take a look at your Instagram account. Oh yeah, sure. Whoa. Uh, oh, okay, wait, wait, no. She started following me, but I'm definitely not gonna follow her back. I mean, like, she's like, she's like half naked in all of her photos, so, no. Half, half naked? Uh, have you even read the Song of Solomon? Ooh, Game of kinda... Thrones, Game of Thrones. Uh, no, I actually heard that one was pretty raunchy, so Ted, maybe we could- have you even read the Old Testament? Yeah, there's not that much sex in the Old Testament. Game of Thrones. Yeah, no, uh, life has been kind of rough recently. It's, it's, it's been a little rough. Okay, so whenever I'm reading the Bible, what do I need to read? Just spending some time with them, it's been great. I feel so motivated, so encouraged. Thou shall not read the King James. None of these versions. What you're going to want to read is the millennial standard version. I took out all the correction, I took out all the warnings, and I just left the positive stuff. The MSV, that was mostly full of memes and Facebook posts. Do you have any other versions that, that, that I need to be reading? Yes, there is one more. Yeah. This is a little bit more of a read. 
That is the, the universal standard version. So many different paths to heaven, we had to include them all and make everybody happy. I thought you said there's just one way to, to heaven. You. <laughs> I never said that. Nothing's really changed yet at all. I still need help with what I'm going through. It doesn't... Do you ever wonder how many universes there are? That'll blow your mind, man. I have been kind of confused on whether that is good or not, but... God made every seed-bearing plant. I don't know, even though it's legal, it doesn't seem right. I, I just want everybody to be happy. No, he's definitely happier and more, maybe more spiritual. What if there's a universe outside of the universe? Where is he right now? He's actually, um, he's out grabbing something. I let him borrow my truck. Um, he should be back anytime. Hey, uh, Ted, Ted. What are you doing? Um, I'm on my way. Uh, do you have a driver's license? My driver's license. You, you don't have one. I have a fisher's license. Uh carpenter's license, but that's expired. Uh, what about a registration? I'll be right back. So how are things going with Ted? Um, uh, I have some concerns. Uh, he said he's found a different Jesus. He's starting to read the NIV, which I told him not to read. And uh, he's beginning to become a new person, which was my major concern is that he didn't lose himself. And now he seems to be losing his life, which is what I warned him about. So, I started reading the actual Bible, uh, not the MSV. Don't tell him about it. I realized I was just getting a little bit of the information and not all of it. It's so much more powerful. I actually am free from the bondage now. I mean, this has been great. Okay, so this Jesus healed all the sick, healed all the blind. This Jesus walked on water. Uh, hope it works out for him. I wish nothing but the best. I don't think it will, but, you know. Okay, no, this Jesus is absolutely... Walking on water, son! That's not walking on water. But in the meantime, uh, I have a whole line of people booked out um, to speak. I'm actually going to be speaking at a conference. Uh, the conference is called Grace Covers All of the Sin That I Love. I'm really looking forward in helping them to find uh, what makes them happy. Who is this that the wind and the waves even obey? Peace! Okay, so that's completely ridiculous. I know. I know that that's absolutely ludicrous to watch and it, it's almost kind of, it's comical to the point of like, this is absolutely ludicrous, but it drives the point home. But can I share something with you? When we were creating this sketch, it's amazing to me that only when you have Jesus participating in these things on a regular basis, that it pricks our heart to conviction or it moves us to laughter because we know that these two things don't line up. They're incongruent. But if we look at our lives, the lives of others, and even the lives of those that are in the church, many, uh, it's not a stigma to see, you know, a man of God or a woman of God, you know, celebrating some of these things. And so without the word of God, we open ourselves up to deception. We open ourselves up to what the enemy would use 
to destroy our lives because sin will always take you further than you want to go. Beyond that momentary pleasure of stepping into that drug, stepping into that relationship, there is a lifetime of regret and steering you off the path. And so we must be alert, we must be sober-minded, and we must be vigilant to make sure that we don't fall into that. You know, it's, um, Paul is warning us in the scripture that I read to you er- earlier out of 2 Corinthians, don't follow a different Jesus with a different gospel that's of a different spirit. Well, in order to be able to discern that it's different, you have to know which one is authentic, right? And in the 1960s, there was a um, there, were, there was a movement where people were uh, passing a lot of counterfeit bills, right? They were creating, you know, the dollar bill and, and recreating it. And it was becoming an epidemic. They were cashing them all over. The bank tellers couldn't tell the difference. And so they, they sent the FBI on it. And rather than teach their field agents to, to locate all of the uh, counterfeits, what do you think they did? They got them to study what the authentic dollar bill looked like. They became so nuanced in every single detail, every single drop of ink, every single stamp, that they knew what a real dollar bill looked like. They could recognize any counterfeit coming a mile away. You ask me, how do we keep ourselves from being deceived under a different Jesus, a different gospel of a different spirit? It's by spending time with the real Jesus but also spending time with the real word. We need both. You can't be heavy-handed. It is the Holy Spirit that drew you to church today. It is the Holy Spirit that's going to interpret God's word. There are many mean-spirited men and women that use the word of God as a bludgeoned hammer to condemn people and to destroy people. And it is Satan who uses the word of God also. Can I be honest? Satan knows the word of God better than most ministers out there. Maybe better than anybody that's walking the planet today. Because he's had a long time engaging with it. And you know, when you look at the study, you study the life of Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. The enemy came at him. What did he come at him with? Scripture. He came at him with a different gospel. And if Jesus had not spent time in the word, if he didn't know the word, then he could have been open to the deception of the enemy. Remember, Satan is defeated, but he's not stupid. He convinced a third of the angels to follow him in a perfect environment. And he deceived Adam and Eve in a perfect environment. When there were over 2,000 trees that they could eat from, there was just one that they couldn't. And he got their eyes off the 2,000, got their eyes off the fact that God created and gave them life and got them to focus on the one thing that God told them to stay away from. And that's what the enemy does. And it was no different. It's the same busted playbook, all right? And he tried it on Jesus. And what did Jesus reply? He 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 didn't call down a legion of angels. He didn't shoot lightning bolts out of his eyes. He could have done all of that. It would have been cool right? To see those movies on the big screen. Instead, he said, it is written. Giving us the blueprint to combat the enemy when he comes at us, when he whispers in our ear in the late night hours, 
you're not good enough. You're never going to accomplish it or to try to tempt us into certain areas. We can stand on the foundation of God's word and recite back to him, it is written. Have you ever taken the time to think about when Jesus was writing that? He was actually quoting himself, right? Because the scripture is inspired by God and it's just an interesting idea to think about that Jesus is quoting his word. That's how powerful God's word is. And I'm gonna kind of end with this one. It's Hebrews 4, 12 through 13, and we're going to use this scripture to springboard into next week. Again, we're talking about, and we're, we're, we're talking about having eyes to see and ears to hear. All of us have eyes to see, all of us have ears to hear. Uh, they did in Jesus' time, and if they didn't, then he healed them. But he's talking about a spiritual principle here. He's talking about his eyes to be able to see the world the way that he sees. He's talking about his ears to hear the world the way that he can hear it, to discern. And it says this, For the word of God is alive and it's powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our inmost thoughts and desires. Ouch. Can I tell some of you, that's what we need. We need our desires to be exposed so that we can uproot them because these selfish desires are growing right alongside the word of God as a seed that's being deposited in your heart. And guess what? They're growing side by side and they're competing for the same nutrients. They're competing for the same space. They're competing for the same water. And the Bible warns us that as they grow together, these weeds will choke out what God is trying to do in and through your life. So we must be vigilant to be in the word so that those lies that have been spoken over us that we believe somewhere all over, over the course of our life, they can be exposed and we can uproot them so that we can run this race in such a way that we win the prize that has been set before us. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. I don't, sh this is a sober message. It's a heavy message, and I hope that you hear my heart. I shout because I'm Italian. Some of you new people, that's just, that's just my, that's how I roll, okay? So I'm not upset or I'm not mad at any of you. But I do have an urgency inside of my heart to warn you so that you don't fall into the trap and the pits of the enemy deterring you from where God wants you to be. And the only way that to do that is by being in God's word, is by carving out time in your schedule, is by taking appetites that are, that are feeding on social media, that are feeding on Netflix and binging, that are feeding on the devil's lettuce, that are feeding on all these grandma's cough medicine and taking them out because you don't need it. You don't need it, right? And some of those things aren't sin, okay? But they're just taking up space and to take those appetites and to aim them towards God's word where you get a reflection of who you really are and who you are becoming. I'm going to invite the worship team back up here and I'm going to ask you to stand. There may be some of you in this room today 
you were brought by a friend, you were brought by a family member, you didn't plan on coming to church on Sunday morning, but lo and behold, here you are. And as you've heard, and there may be some of you that have been coming to church your whole entire life, and as I opened up the Word of God, as I divided it, and you took an inventory of your life, and you watched that ridiculous skit, you said, you know what, truth be told, I own my life. I make decisions off of my judgment. I feed the appetites as I see fit. And as I read the word and as I shared that skit, you began to take inventory and say, hey, these two things, they don't line up. They're not congruent. The word savior is recorded 36 times in scripture. The word Lord over 7,000. Where do you think God's putting the emphasis? Lordship means that he has complete ownership of your heart. It doesn't make you perfect. It doesn't mean that you're not gonna stumble or make mistakes. It just means that you fully committed. I've used this analogy before, but it's like a husband and wife. When that bride walks down the aisle, she's saying goodbye to all her old boyfriends. And she's saying, this is the man that I commit myself to for the rest of my life. Doesn't mean she's not gonna make mistakes. Doesn't mean that they're not gonna have arguments. It just means there's nobody else for me. It's just you. And the same is true of our relationship with God. He asks that we give up everything for him. And so if you are in this room and you say, I want to walk out knowing that I have a relationship with Christ, not a different Jesus, not a different gospel, not a different spirit, but the Jesus with the gospel and his spirit. If that's you in this room today, I just want you to raise your hand and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's the best decision that you could ever make. And if this is new for you, he died a public death. We can publicly, this is, a, this is a place, there's no condemnation, there's no judgment. This is a decision that you make inside of this family. Okay, that's good to know. For the rest of you, I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray that your discernment is sharp. I wanna pray that your spiritual eyes are open, that your spiritual ears are open that God would give you the grace to cultivate the disciplines to maybe pull away from some of those things that have become strongholds, scrolling your phone and just saying, God, I need your help. He hears you and he answers. And so dear heavenly father, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice. I thank you that you love them, Lord. Thank you that you recorded every moment of their life before a single day passed, that they have a destiny, a calling, and a purpose, and that you are willing to walk alongside them in this life to help excavate that purpose. Father, you see their areas of opportunity, their weaknesses, their struggles, and I pray that you would expose those things, bring them to the surface, that you would empower them with your grace to step beyond it and to develop new appetites. That as they spend time in your word, they would meet you there. They would have that experience that many of us have during worship, but instead it would be, in, not instead, but in addition, it would be also reading your word. 
They would sense a closeness to you that they've never experienced before. That you would speak to them throughout the day. That you would warn them, setting their feet on solid ground. That you'd alert them, people in their life, people, friends, co-workers, that they need to keep an eye on, that they need to pray for, that they need to help and assist. I pray that this would be a year that marks a closer walk with you than all of us have ever experienced. God, we give you all the praise and all the glory because you are so worthy. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for coming today. Remember, Growth Track is in the theater adjacent to this. Till next time, Godspeed. Thank you so much for listening to the Pines Church Podcast, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.